Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to Gold Scars. My name is Bianca Wargo, and I'm really excited you're here to dive deeper with us into life and into God's word and the absolute beauty God creates even in our brokenness. Before we get started, I encourage you guys to follow the podcast, click that little bell so you can get notifications as soon as each episode drops, and it also really helps to get the podcast out there to more people who need to hear the gospel and people who might just need a word of encouragement as well. Reviews are also appreciated, and you can either leave them on the platforms you're listening on, or you can message me on the podcast Instagram, which is at goldscars.podpod. So, without further ado, here we go. So, as always, let's pray in. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. You know, it's it's cold, it's icy, but... We thank you for a beautiful day because it really was beautiful to see how the sun hit all the ice and everything that was frozen on the trees. And I hope that everybody listening to this right now is thanking you for whatever kind of day they had too, because I'm sure it was a beautiful day because there is no bad thing that you create. Even on our rougher days, there are beautiful things to be seen because of you, because you are there and you are present and you've created everything and you've created our day and guided our steps. And Lord, I just want to pray that through this podcast, you speak, not me. I want to pray that you speak to whoever is listening and that they receive your word, God, that they receive your word and understand the wisdom in in the importance of defining certain words. You know, everyday words that we use and often get mixed up or don't fully know the definition as according to your word. So, God, I, I pray that this reaches whoever it needs to on the topic of unity and uniformity and the difference between the two and how they're both important. God, and I, I pray for a more united world, not necessarily uniform, but united in our uniformity, in our image of you, the image in which we are created, that we recognize that uniformity and the diversity in us as individuals and how united we can be as the body of Christ. So God, for all these things and for everything, we thank you and we love you and we pray. Amen. So the focus text for today, um, I'm going to focus on 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 4 through 15, and John 15, verses 1 through 8. I'll get to those eventually, but I just wanted to find a couple words because obviously the title of this podcast today, this episode is Unity versus Uniformity. So these are two words that over the past week I've noticed a lot of people use them interchangeably, but they're not the same thing. They are very similar because there is a sense of sameness to both of them. But, you know, we all have common enemy and that is the enemy. That's not each other. That's not anybody's skin color. That's not anybody's gender identity, whether we agree with that stuff or not. It's about the end goal. Everybody's end goal should be to make it to heaven. And to have Jesus look at us and say, good job, my good and faithful servant. So, uniformity, basically, it's not always a bad thing. I'm going to start with that one. Uniformity is not always a bad thing. 
it's the sameness. It's a uniform. You know, everybody, um, I went to a Catholic school, so we all wore the same uniforms for each grade. We had to dress all the same through our entire grade. So, like, seniors had khakis and juniors had, like, gray pants and skirts. Um, uniform, not always a bad thing. Because, like I said, we're made in the same image. We are all uniform in the sense that we are all made in the image of God. That's a good thing, you know, to be made in the image of the creator that is inherently good. That's a good thing, to be the same in that sense. We are also the same through the means of our salvation. The way, the truth, the light. There's no one else that can go to the Father except through Jesus. We can't get to the Father through anyone else but Jesus. And that is the means for our salvation. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Anyway, we are also the same in the sinful nature we are born into. You know, we are all born into the flesh. And therefore, we have common enemy, like I said before. And that is the enemy. That is Satan. He is the father of all lies. He is out for nothing but to steal, kill, and destroy. That is our common enemy. Uniformity gives us some level through which to understand one another by looking through a biblical lens. You know, you look at it through the Bible and how we are all the same in our common goal and in our common image. And you start, if you look at it that way, it makes sense. You know, everything should fall into place. However, we live in a broken, fallen world. And there's no question about that. We've seen a lot of bad things in this world, but we know that those bad things aren't from God. They're just things that God has allowed to happen because he saw something greater could come out of it. Anyway, through a worldly lens, uniformity can be quite dangerous because we end up separating from other people, whether through race, gender, types of intelligence, social class, or status. And I could go on and on with that list. If I were going off of myself, I could say that I'm white. I could also say that I'm Hispanic. I could say that I'm a white passing Hispanic. I could say that I'm Polish. I could say that I'm American. You know, there's a multitude of different things that I could identify myself as. These worldly senses of uniformity, they're never going to bring everybody together. That's the problem with it. It's never going to bring everybody in the world together because we're all so different. Despite the one common image we have through the Bible that is stated in the Bible. So if that's not where you find your truth, there's literally nothing that can bring every single person in this world together. Because there's only one person that can really heal and fulfill all of those gaps and cracks and everything that we, we seem to miss every single time we try to aim for world peace and all this stuff. And it's always through some other means besides Jesus. It's always through war. It's through somehow starving another nation, cutting off supplies, all this stuff. It's through appeasing other people. I mean, look at how, look at how all these European nations appeased Hitler and how that ended up. That didn't end up well, obviously. That ended up in greater division and a lot of lives lost, tragically. And all because of race. <laughs> because of race, because of some hate that Hitler had in his heart. There's also a bunch of other examples. I mean, the Holocaust is just one of them. The Trail of Tears. And 
look at African-American slavery and segregation in the U.S. That, that was obviously a huge issue of uniformity. You know, this pride in being white or being some other race or... And, and it's eventually led into modern day. And even looking at Puerto Rico today, there are quote-unquote public beaches that are, you know, by law, by Puerto Rican law, supposed to be public, but now because they're gentrifying the entire island, people are starting to cut off the beaches that they think are quote-unquote theirs when they're not. It is public land if it's a beach in Puerto Rico. And you look at abortion, which is probably the greatest one, because it's taken the most lives. It has taken the most lives, whether you, whether people realize it or not. And that's only counting the babies that were aborted. That's not counting the mothers that have been killed by abortion as well, because it is not a safe procedure. And the pills are not safe. No matter how much they try to market it as safe, it is not. Because we are outside of the womb, so we are better, we are greater is basically what abortionists are saying. Because these babies are in the womb, they are still, quote-unquote, just a clump of cells. Even though they have human DNA, they have the potential for human life. Someone who is brain-dead. Someone who is brain-dead in the hospital has more rights than a child in the womb, even though they are both human, based on developmental stage. That is how people are separating one another. That's how people are staying uniform. And not to mention abortion is also being used as a means of eugenics. Eugenics was a huge thing that factored into the Holocaust. Abortion is being used essentially to wipe out people with darker skin and things like that without people even realizing it. I mean, Margaret Sanger well-known abortionist, well-known eugenicist, founder of Planned Parenthood, and very well-known racist with open ties to the KKK. It's the greatest injustice that there is because it's killed the most people so far, even more than the Holocaust. Now, unity is very different because it's cohesion despite those differences. There, there is a glue between these different groups, basically. I mean, you look at a house that's built of bricks. Each brick is different. It looks the same. It looks uniform, each brick. Because they're all, like, imagine it's like a red brick schoolhouse or something like that. They have the foundation. That's Christ, obviously. It's God, his word. Each brick is one of us. And they all look the same except for maybe a couple dents in some of them and all that stuff. But there's a glue that holds every single one of them together. You know each brick is different because each one is individual. They're not like the same exact brick. It's not one brick. It's a bunch of different bricks. And there's this cement mortar that's meant to hold it together. That mortar is that common ground. The commonality between these bricks is that they're made of the same thing. They're made in the same image. They look the same. Because they're made of the same thing. Not necessarily because they have the same marks, they have the same dents in them and all that stuff, or they're the exact same shade. But because they're made of the same material. That is unity. 
is that schoolhouse standing up on that foundation. Every single individual brick laid one on top of the other and and held together by that cement and mortar. That's unity. Look at a swim team or a soccer team or a football team. You know, I'm a little biased. I'm a swim coach. I used to swim for uh, swim teams, too. I've been swimming since I was like eight. So I'm going to use a swim team. Everyone swims different events with two common goals. All right. One of them is a little more individual than the other. But there is a common goal for the whole team to take into account. Now, the first goal is a little more individual. That's everybody wants to improve on their previous best time. Second goal, however, second goal is that everybody wants to work together to score the most points. In a dual meet, everybody has that common goal to win, to gain the most points by swimming the best you possibly can. Everybody has their unique skill. Right. I'm say like for me, I'm a backstroker and a 500 swimmer. So I'm like mid distance when I'm doing freestyle or if I'm doing backstroke, I can do the 100 or the 200, whatever you want me to do. Style, I can do um, hundred. I can do the 200. I can do the 800 relay. I can do the 400 relay. All right. Heck, I might be able to do the 200 relay. I'm not really that much of a sprinter, but I mean, I could do it. Generally, the events that I end up in. Because those are what I'm best at. Doesn't mean it's the only thing I do, but. So think about it like 1 Corinthians 12. The body works together in unity, realizing and recognizing their uniformity. All the different parts of the body. If you look at verse 4, varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Same thing I'm talking about with the swim team, right? Everybody has their individual events that they're best at. But everybody works together in the same spirit to work hard, to get better, and to win. Verse 5, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, same thing. Verse 6, and there are varieties of activities, but there is the same God who empowers them all and everybody. Now, let's move on to like verses uh, 15 through 26. I'm going to read that whole passage real quick. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, 
all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And verse 27 explains this whole thing. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We all have different functions. All right, some of us are the mouth, some of us are the tongue, some of us are the eyes, some of us are the hands. We're all different, but we are made in the same image and we do have the same spirit working within us. So don't underestimate the power of diversity, the power of difference. Just because someone has a different way of thinking about the gospel, as long as they are thinking about the gospel as the Bible says it, as long as they are not twisting the words of the gospel, that shouldn't divide you. You should learn from each other. And that's a beautiful thing, don't you think? God gave us all these gifts. Because if he gave one person all of them, we might as well be him. But not perfect. If he gave us all, all of those gifts, imagine how we'd turn on each other. The world would be a million times more of a mess than it is today. If you had the power to heal whoever you wanted or bring someone back to life just to spite someone. Because let's face it, we're humans. We're, we can be pretty petty. Not you say right now in a very calm state, not angered by anything at all. Whether or not you're saying to yourself, oh, I wouldn't do that. There's a good chance that you probably would at some point in your life if you got that aggravated. That you would use those gifts in the wrong way. Majority of us have the power to speak, right? How often do you take that for granted? How often do you use that for unkind words towards somebody? How often do you use it the wrong way? I'm asking you this, like, right now. Like, reflect on this. I really urge you to because for me, I know I've used my tongue the wrong way. I know I've spoken the wrong way to people before. And I am not proud of it. But I know I am forgiven because of Christ, because of Jesus. Now, if you go to John 15, we're all a part of the church that Christ betrothed to himself. Now, this doesn't really seem to go with this at all at first when I first read it. But I think I read it on Monday uh, during Bible study. We talked about this passage a little bit. I was like, maybe there's something significant to this. Because I did write a couple notes that are significant to the unity. Not only of us, but like also of God. So, John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that he does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to, to be my disciples. So, Obviously, Jesus says that he is fine. The Father 
is the vine dresser that, you know, he, he prunes us. He allows us to have a little more, like a few more offshoots on each of our branches to be able to bear more fruit at once. And we are those branches. We grow larger. We produce more as we accept the love of God each time. And sometimes he's going to have to cut some stuff off. He's going to have to cut some good stuff off. I mean, he cuts off the fruit. He has to. He has to harvest the fruit, right? He has to use it somehow. So he's going to take it away. Now, think about it like this. The unity of the Trinity. Jesus is very distinct from the Father. Father is very distinct from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, very distinct from Jesus. Three distinct persons, one God, right? And the idea behind that, I mean, we're made in the image of God, right? And if that's how God was made, as I also want you to look, look at it this way, because the Father has a very distinct function from what Jesus has. Because Jesus, as the vine, he's the one that just sucks up the nutrients from the ground and, you know, gives you the nutrients. He gives you what you need to live. And that's his blood. His Like, we can only live if we believe in the power of his blood and fully live like it in faith. Now, the father harvests the fruits. He cultivates the ground and all this stuff and makes sure that the vine can grow and make sure that the branches on the vine can grow and bear fruit. Now, the fruit, as, as the Holy Spirit, can be used elsewhere, but it can also be used within us. That comes from within us because... When Jesus died and rose again, he gave us the opportunity to be dwelling places for the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are literally a temple for the Holy Spirit if we so choose to let the Holy Spirit dwell within us. And that is a beautiful thing. The three of them are so distinct in their function, and yet they are the same God. Three persons, one God, all right? The Trinity. And we are made in that image. Is that not, like, insane? Now, a good example of that working in real life successfully through Paul and Apollos in 1 Corinthians 3. Now, 1 Corinthians is a letter from Paul to the people of Corinth that were very divided. Ugh, why, why did I say it like that? Divided. They were very divided amongst themselves. Because some of them were saying, oh, I follow Paul. And some of them were saying, I follow Apollos. They were idolizing the two of them. That's, that's what it was. And falling into that kind of idolatry is really, really easy and really, really dangerous. Because it is such gradual but very slippery slope. Right? You ever hear of a sensory threshold? Like if you hold a bag out in your hand that's completely empty but it's open. And you close your eyes. Someone puts a pencil in there really, really gently. All right, really, really slowly, really, really gently so that you won't even notice. If your eyes are closed, you won't notice because it's not heavy enough. It's not past a certain threshold that your brain will actively recognize and tell you like, hey, you should probably react to this. You should probably notice this. Like your brain notices it, but it doesn't like fully register because it doesn't think it's important enough. But... No matter how slowly they put it, if they put a brick in there, if you kind of just like threw that brick in there, of course, your arm would just yank down and you would notice. 
that's what idolatry is like, is that pencil. You almost don't even notice it. So, I want you guys to pay special attention to verse 6. 1 Corinthians 3. Right? I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. Because God is the vine dresser. Jesus already worked. Or he already he already died on the cross at that point. And Paul and Apollos were both preaching about the power of Jesus's sacrifice and what it really meant for people. And yet people were still going to either Paul or Apollos and being like, I'm with him. I'm with him. When Paul is basically saying in this passage, like, no, you should be with Jesus, not me, not Apollos. You should be with Jesus. That's so important to remember. Because I think these days there's so many different denominations in Christianity. A lot of people get caught up in making fun of one or the other. And in in good fun, okay, I kind of get it. And, and it's good to be calling people out when things are genuinely wrong and genuinely not according to the Bible. But only do that in love, obviously. Do it lovingly. Doing it respectfully is important. But the thing is, if you don't do it lovingly and respectfully and you're just like, oh, well, I'm with this guy, so I'm better. And you have your nose all the way up to the sky. Like, that's another story, dude. You need to check your heart. All right. You see the speck in your father's eye. You better check the log in your own. If you can't speak to someone just because they have a different denomination, a different way of worshiping God, um, so long as their way is according to the Bible and not against it, then you need to check yourself if you can't do that respectfully and you can't do it lovingly. All right, I've been guilty of it. I'm not saying this to condemn anyone. I've been guilty of it. But the truth is, it doesn't mean I can't warn you guys about it. In fact, because I've been in, like through that and I've done that, it gives me more reason to be able to tell you guys, like, hey, watch out because I've fallen into that trap. And it's not good. You start losing people that way. And you start losing people. They're losing a light for Christ, right? If you're genuinely trying to evangelize, then you should be a light. You shouldn't be pushing people away like that. I'm not saying please people. I'm just saying love people. Respect people. And that's what Paul is getting at here. And that's the difference between between unity and uniformity, too, because uniformity, it's just you're all the same. You're all the same within this one group. Uniformity can be dangerous because it doesn't really say it doesn't really talk about working together. It just talks about different groups. Unity talks about different groups working together. That's the key difference between the two. I mean, they're both important. Uniformity, like I said, not always a bad thing. Because we are all uniform in the image in which we are created. We are all uniform in the sense that we all have the same common enemy. And that is Satan. That is sin. That is our shame and our guilt and our doubts and our anxieties and our depression. We all have the same common enemy. And we can work together in unity to fight that. But if you fight in uniformity, you're only fighting on one front, number one. And number two, you're going to have a lot less people on board with you because there's not going to be a lot of people 
uniform with you if you're going according to the world's standards of uniformity. But if you're going according to biblical standards of uniformity, then you're going to have everybody on your side. And it's not going to be, like, easy either. There's no greater power than having God on your side. There's no greater power than being a child of God. And accepting your place as a part of the body of Christ. I finally want to get to uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. And this is a unity within our foundation. And it's just a continuation from uh, verses 4 through 9, which is Paul talking about how some people are being like, oh, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, like I just talked about. So I'll read from verse 9, actually, because it says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And verse 10 says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved but only as through fire. Now, much like the earlier analogy of the body, there's different parts and materials needed to build a house. What are you, what's your straw? What's your gold? What's your concrete and your wood and all this other stuff? Sure, it can be things and seasons in your life, but it's also your decisions. It's also the people you surround yourself with as well. Working in unity with someone or having that common ground with someone I need to tell you guys this doesn't mean you have to have them right there next to you the whole time because there are people that you probably won't work well with in life but even though you have the same common ground don't force it pray on it and let God take them out of your life or let God distance them from you if he has to if that's his plan Right, not everybody is meant to be in your life that is there. Sometimes the enemy sends people without, without those people even realizing it. Sometimes God sends people without those people even realizing it. It's up to you to decipher which is which. And the easiest way to do that is to pray to God and tell him, Hey, take these people out of my life that aren't meant to be here. The people that will only cause me stress and chaos and all this stuff that I don't want in my life because it's not from you. I only want people in my life that are from you, God. You can have that unity without having the person there. All right, I just want to address that because I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, you guys all should like welcome every single person into your life. Like, It doesn't have to be that way. All right. I wish it could be because I wish it would be that simple. But the thing is, we live in a broken, fallen world. I've been over this. All right. And I think we've all noticed it. The other analogy with this passage is that we're each a stone used to make the Lord's house. And Jesus is the cornerstone 
The cornerstone is the stone that all the weight of all these other stones kind of fixes itself on. So we should be fixing our weight on that cornerstone, on Jesus, on our foundation. I mean, even look at, uh, what is it? Matthew 21, 42. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. And I think that's really beautiful because we rejected Jesus. I mean, there's a reason he was crucified. There's a reason he was humiliated the way he was. All this horrible stuff happened to him at his death. And it's number one, because we rejected him. Because we didn't want to believe, like, we're sinners and we need you, Jesus. We didn't want to admit that we needed a savior. But there were some of us that did. And some of us realized that too late. Because some of them realized it as soon as he died and took his last breath. And the veil tore itself open in in the temple. And the skies got black and all that other stuff that happened when he died, like... Some people only realized then when it was that crazy, as if he wasn't already working miracles, as if he wasn't outright saying, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As if all the prophecies weren't lining up to him. Because there were prophecies in the Old Testament that they had at that point that showed Jesus would be born in a manger that showed Jesus would be a humble servant. Yes, it also says that he's going to be a mighty king and come in roaring like a lion and all this stuff, but that's his second coming, right? That's how he's going to come back. I'm all done. (laughs) It kind of feels like a little bit of a rant doing it by myself. Maybe next week I'll have someone, we'll see. Um, But thank you guys for listening. Before we go, I'm going to pray us out. Dear Lord, thank you for this conversation that we've had. And I thank you for the opportunity to speak, God. I I pray that you continue to use my tongue as you will, not as I will. And that you'll use whoever's listening to this and use this message through them and anyone who listens. I pray that you use them in whatever way you want to, God. I pray that their hearts be open, their ears be open to you that they listen to you, that they come to accept you if they haven't already. And God, thank you for another day. I think too often we take for granted that we have another day of life, another day to breathe and love one another and to show people who you are. So I want to thank you for that opportunity to love on people and to spread your word for this and for an amazing week for everybody. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you guys once again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate you guys being here, and I'm so glad that you've decided to join us to dive deeper into God's word and what it means and how to apply it to your life and how he uses brokenness and all this mess in the world all for good. We have a good God that uses even the bad things for good. He doesn't create those bad things, but he uses them because we brought sin into the world. We made a choice to bring sin into the world, whether we realized it or not, but God is using that and he is using it for good. We have a good God. Um, anyway, go ahead and follow the podcast Instagram. It's at goldscars.pod, P-O-D. 
Uh, you guys can leave reviews by DMing me or commenting on any of the posts. I will also be posting a little preview of each episode before it's posted a couple days before. Um, also, hit the little bell so that you can get notifications and you can go ahead and follow the podcast on here. And don't be afraid to leave a review. I really appreciate you guys giving me feedback on what you guys want to hear next, what really hit you guys, and what how God is speaking to you. Like, I want to see how God is speaking to you in your lives because I want to know how to be praying for you and how to pray that he will continue doing that work in your life. So have a great week, everybody. Jesus loves you. And I do too.